Well, with Predators training camp getting underway, we are taking a look at some of the storylines to watch. Today, we are previewing the top six forward core of the Nashville Predators. And one of the biggest questions, who's exactly going to be in the top six? That's something that's still not decided yet. Plus, what do Philip Forsberg, Mikhail Granlund, and Matt Duchesne need to do to not only keep up their level of production last year, but maybe take it to the next level. That's a conversation we'll have today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day every single day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com. So, happy training camp, everybody. Uh, happy training camp. This week, yesterday was the uh, the good old media day. Uh, we got some pretty good pictures. I think my favorite one, Ann, uh, has to be the UC Soros uh, picture <laughs> collection the Preds posted, where it's just different angles of him with the same face each time. Oh. It's just but like, the- did you notice his hair? Yes, that's it. I mean, it's very, mm-hmm. but did you see his haircut? I did see his haircut. Yeah. I like very aerodynamic. I liked it. He's styling a little bit. I feel like if you're a starting goaltender in the NHL, you got to bring a little bit of the style game. I feel mm-hmm. like Henrik Lundqvist kind of set the bar on that one. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe the haircut is UC Saros finally just embracing that number one goalie role. Yes. I love it. I think, I think it looks great. Now, did you happen to catch Askarov's? Because you oh. have UC Saros. It's all business. All business. And then you have Yaroslav Askarov, who is all not business. Like they are the mullet of the goaltending tandem. You've got business in the front with UC Saros, and you've got party in the back with Yaroslav Askarov. If they, if, if Askarov gets to Nashville and backs up UC Saros, mullet has to be the name for the combined. <laughs> Because you got business at the front of the depth chart, and then yep. Yaroslav Askarov acting a fool on, on. on the backup role. Yes, I. I mean, I. I love the combination. I don't think it's going to happen this training camp, but we'll talk no. about that later. That's yeah. coming up on another episode. But just the aesthetic of it is delightful to my heart. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be a fun goaltending combo if we ever get to see it in Nashville, that's for sure. Yes. Um, yeah, it's like uh, Anders Lindback doing all the candy shopping while Pekka Rene's out there. <laughs> for I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, but of course, we're, we're not talking about goalies and fun pictures and all that today. Today's focus, it's up front. It's the mm-hmm. top six forward core. Uh, basically, we're breaking this down into different positions. Uh, we're going to do one on the bottom six, including some questions about the herd line uh, coming up in another episode. We're also going to focus on the defensive core, some questions there, and questions surrounding goaltending. So plenty of different uh, position groups to get to. But today's focus, 
on the top six. Uh, and I feel like we've asked the question a million different times is mm-hmm. can Forsberg, Duchesne and Granlund repeat their performance last year. We know that's kind of the big X factor. We talked a little bit about yesterday, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to focus on how the how yes. they can get there. Like, you know, forget can they. It's just like what needs to happen to keep them playing at their full potentials. So I'll open up with you. And I think there's a couple of different reasons we can get into or a couple of different mm-hmm. factors that will determine that. But what's what's something for you? What do you want to see from that top line that makes you think, okay, this is just as good as last year? Yeah, you know, we've talked about this just really briefly in passing. And I think one of the hardest, you know, it's very difficult to have the type of seasons that Forsberg, Graylin, and Duchesne had. What is even more difficult is to come back and to repeat it. And I think that there's actually a decent amount of expectation, especially on Duchesne and Granlin, because I think when it comes to Matt Duchesne, everybody's still like, "Mm, you know, is this really what we can expect from you from Philip Forsberg? Just signed a big contract. Don't let there be like a little contract let down. I don't think that that's going to happen, but I there are definitely certain things that I think are going to be key to keeping them going at the pace where they were at last season. And the first thing is keeping that line together. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, we've talked about this a little bit before when Matt Duchesne first came here. This is the combination that he saw some success with, and but it this line didn't last. We did see sometimes last year where they would shift some things, trying to get other lines going, other lines sparking. But I really think one of the keys to them repeating this kind of success is keeping them together. There is something here. They play off of each other while they read the ice at the same sort of pace. They see things unfolding the same way. So for me, the number one thing is keeping this line together. Can't guarantee that it's going to happen because, you know, you wrestle with the logic of do we split this line up to try to jumpstart some other players? But I think, no, please. I mean, that's going to come at a cost to Duchesne, Granlin and, and Forsberg. So For me, the most important thing that has to happen for these three to repeat their incredible seasons is you have got to keep them together. And that was, I think, such a thing about last year's success that we didn't really talk a whole lot about was the fact that they were together most of the season. Mm -hmm. And you and I have watched Preds long enough that it seems like for the last, that is a comically big coffee mug you have right there. I think it's just the camera angle. It, I mean, okay. it's not it's it not like, small, but it looked like one of those like novelty mugs, like you know, in the SNL Glengarry Glen Glenn Ross. Okay, it, looks oh, it does look bigger. as big as my head. Yeah, I don't. It's not really that big I, in real sorry. life. I was I was watching you when you got off our mid. I'm sorry. Sentence. Um, yeah, the the um, the top line. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah, we were. It, it seems like you and I have been watching Preds long enough where it seems like the past couple of years, it's been like, it's like the this many days since accidents work, like <laughs> the sign at the workplace. It's been like this many games since the line blunder. And it's like never gotten past like two or three games. Yes. Um, and, you know, I know everybody's like, oh, you know, if they're, they're teammates, they should have chemistry with you know, whoever's on their line and they should be able to move up and down and still have the same level. 
it's not that simple, folks. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like one of those things where, I mean, just think about like with you at work. Like if you've been working with the same coworker all season, you know, like what kind of tasks they take, you know, what tasks you're supposed to take. Um, you like, you know, where they're going to be, like when they take their breaks, um, you know, you're just always on the same page. And then all of a sudden you get like a temp for a couple of ways or somebody from a different department or a new coworker. And it's like, you're kind of stepping on each other's toes a little bit because they don't know what you're doing and you don't know what they're doing. Um, that's a, that's a thing. That happens mm -hmm. it happens in hockey as well. You know, that yes. kind of sense of, you know, you don't always know who's going to go, you know, into the corner to, to battle for a puck or, hey, if this person has the puck behind the net, this person's going to crash. This person's going to lay back. The three of them had that communication last year. Mm -hmm. They were basically stuck together for the entire year from probably end of October on that was like the one untouchable line that in the herd line. Right. And I think that really did help them because Forsberg hasn't had consistent teammates since the Jofa line back in like the peak Jofa line years, like in, yep. in 19. Um, Mikhail Granlin has never had consistent line mates since he's been in Nashville. Same for Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne yes. was always the let's bounce him around and see what combination it takes to get him going. And his game suffered. Yes. That's got to be the key. Like they have got to stay together. If we go into the season and we're first months in and that line breaks up um, and, you know, there you get the John Hines thing. It's like, oh, we're going to try to get this group of players going or, you know, Philip Forsberg's got a, you know, slower start. We're going to move him around see if that does anything. I think that's the first big L of the season. Yes. Uh, I think you, they have earned the right that you keep them together mm -hmm. and they've earned the right to like, if there is a slump, if they go a couple of games where they're kind of cold, you give them the benefit of the doubt for them to play it out together. Yes. That yes. To me is the biggest thing. Yes. No, I agree with that a hundred percent. There are some things that you shouldn't, you know, if it's working, let it let it work itself out, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, more to talk about, uh, including some more things that I think is going to be the key to that top line this year. Uh, and also, we're going to dive into the rest of the top six, which includes the question: Who exactly is in the top six? That is a question uh, that hasn't been answered yet, and one that can go a lot of different ways. But first, I want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet online betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports this year uh, they have everything from the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find uh, obviously football season is here uh, there's plenty of different bets that you can make on this weekend's slate of games uh so be sure to go there what you find they also put out a bunch of futures on this year's nhl season so there's something uh for you to check out right away as always bet online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there it's mlb mma boxing golf soccer anything that you can imagine bet online is covered so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action betonline.net 
where the game starts. All right, Ann, uh, we are talking top six forwards for the Nashville Predators. That is today's big topic of conversation. You yeah. hit on it a little bit before the break about um, needing to keep together. The big thing to me that also kind of dictates that is health. For and sure. That, that is a question mark, especially surrounding Philip Forsberg, because unfortunately over the past five years, it seems like the injury bug always takes out a decent chunk of time. Yeah, I, I think so too. And when you look ahead, you know, you look at training camp and this is the X factor that can take an absolutely masterfully, you know, created roster and just torch a season is injury. But, you know, you do look at Philip Forsberg, Philip Forsberg and Matthew Shane were racing to that single season franchise goal record, but Philip Forsberg missed a decent number of games last season. So, you know, that's something to keep in the back of your mind. One of the things too, is in previous years, when Philip Forsberg would miss a chunk of time with injury, sometimes it took him a little bit longer to come back and get back into the groove and get back to offensive production. That didn't necessarily happen this past season, but it's something to keep your eye on. If he goes out, how is he going to come back in? And, and I think when you look at the three of them, Philip Forsberg is the one that just based on previous experience, you really have to think we've got to keep Philip Forsberg healthy. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't see them running Forsberg in the ground or anything like that, but mm -hmm. and obviously last year uh, it worked out a little bit when Forsberg came back from injury and what was it? Was it his first game or the second game where he first scored, or second? Yeah, he scored those four goals. So it's like, yeah, I, I guess I guess he's feeling okay. But that, I mean, that is kind of yeah. you know the the question mark. And you know, obviously there's some weirdness with COVID uh, at certain times last year too. Sure. But you know, obviously health is going to be kind of a main concern for those three. Um, you know, it's not going to be the end all be all, but, you know, obviously if, if those three can stay healthy, it's not even, it's not just going to help the Nashville Predators by keeping a good player on the ice, but it's going to help keep that chemistry among those mm -hmm. top three going too. And you don't really need to worry about, okay, who's that other person you slide out there. If we take them off this line is it going to affect anything. Mm -hmm. It kind of avoids that ripple effect. Um, yeah. so, you know, that's, that's a big thing that we want to see from Philip Forsberg this year. Um, well, what else, Anne? Uh, is there anything else that you think is kind of going to dictate that success on that first line? You know, I think the one person that's chronically overlooked when you look at this first line is, of course, Mikhail Greenland, because, you know, goal scoring wise didn't light it up, but had 53 assists. And you have to wonder, do Duchesne and Forsberg have their last season without Mikhail Greenland? And I wonder what happens if you know, John Hines wants to start to kind of kickstart some things. I think Mikhail Granlin is the piece that you would easily, most easily pull out of that top line. That's a little bit concerning to me because I really feel like while he is sort of um, the, I think he was sort of the, the engine behind last season's top line success. What happens if you pull him out? Of course, you've got Ryan Johansson, and, and there were a couple games where Johansson jumped up and played, you know, with Forsberg and Duchesne. Very well. 
and very well, you know, very well. But I think Grandland is somebody to really keep an eye on because he is an under the radar um, key element of that top line. And so for me, keeping Grandland there or just being very wise, if you feel like you need to take one of these players and help kickstart another line, I think Grandland is probably the piece that you can most easily pull out, sub in Johansson, let Mikhail Grandland see what he can do with some other players. But I don't think you can overlook how important Granny is to last season's success across the board. I mean, two of your best players played with Mikhail Granland. And, and I think, you know, I think he's key. No, absolutely. And remember, Mikhail Granland was like the, the chip a couple of years ago where it was like, if somebody's playing bad, put him next to Mikhail mm -hmm. Granland and that gets their game going. Like yeah. that was him. Obviously his points suffered because he was playing with some guys who unfortunately weren't really finding the score sheet last mm -hmm. year. He did. And he, if it wasn't for Roman Yossi's year would have broken Paul Correa's assist in a season record. So right. that shows you how good he is at being a playmaker as a high IQ player. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's an important piece of that line. I, I agree though. Like if there is, if you are going to move things around a little bit, it feels like Mikhail Granlin is more adaptable. Yes. I would say like more of a, he can move other places. And obviously Ryan Johansson has had past great chemistry with um, Philip Forsberg. So, you know, that's something to, to consider too, but I, I still think you, you got to keep those three together as much yeah. as possible and try to avoid, you know, if, if there's more of a, we need to shuffle to, to get things going. I feel like you have to find a way to do that without messing up that top three. Right. That top three carried you into the postseason last year. One more top three question I want to ask you, who do you think is most likely to repeat or exceed their offensive production? Do you think it's going to be Forsberg or do you think it's going to be Duchesne and why? I think it's going to be Philip Forsberg. Mm -hmm. A, because he's still in his prime. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously Matt Duchesne is obviously still in his prime too. Right. But Philip Forsberg is the guy. It seems like we've been building to this for mm -hmm. Forsberg. You know, every year it's like, oh, it seems like he's on the verge. He's on the cusp. And it just seems like there's been a mix of bad luck and bad play. Forsberg has always been consistently probably the best forward on the Preds, even during these like this last few years where just things seem to be falling apart offensively for the Preds. Mm -hmm. And I look and, you know, his stats were fantastic last year. Then you realize he missed, what, 13 games? And you're yes. like, oh, there was a lot more on the table there. And if you actually go back and look at the numbers, um, you know, up with, you know, his goals per game and some of his scoring rates and some of his scoring chances rates, there was a lot of stuff that put him in the top five of the entire league. So to me, again, health is going to be the X factor. If Philip Forsberg can play a full season, 100 point player maybe mm -hmm. 50 yeah. goal scorer maybe i just i think there is more left in the tank that we haven't quite seen from forsberg yet and i think the other thing is he's still got some stuff in his game 
that he can develop, that he can get yes. better. He's still that age. Yes. No, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Of course, we still haven't even touched on the juicy storylines coming up of that second forward line. We're going to we're going to dive into that in just a second because we have many, many things to say about that. First, want to thank you for making Lockdown Predators your first listen of the day. If you finish hearing all of this about the Nashville Predators and you're like, I'm curious how they're going to stack up against the Anaheim Ducks, who just, by the way, signed Rocco Grimaldi to a PTO. But anyway, you can go and check out Locked on NHL. Locked on NHL is a daily 30-minute podcast with experts across the league giving you everything you need to know about the major storylines in the league and on these teams. You can find Locked on NHL anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Locked on NHL is your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. We haven't even touched the uh, the the second line, Anne, and I feel like that's kind of weird because I feel like that's been the biggest topic of conversation among Preds fans this whole offseason. So, yeah. look, so we, we talked about the top line. We talked about Ryan Johansson. I would say those locks for the top six. New edition Nino Niederreiter. Mm-hmm lock for the top six like yeah like you would assume yes absolutely but is he is he like is that how they're gonna use him yeah this you know what this is almost um a question that causes a disturbance in the force in Nashville because the second line scoring was such a hitch in the giddy up all of last season was really an issue for this team. Uh, there were other issues, but that was really kind of a huge one. And it was something that just never really got fixed. So when David Poyle went out and signed Nino Niederreiter, who is a, you know, 20 goal scorer, you just automatically assume here in Nashville, great, there is part of our answer for the second line scoring. You automatically plug him in. And I think you automatically also plug him in because his game and style of play is very similar to Ryan Johansson. And so it just automatically feels like this, these two should play together on a line. And what you have to look for is that third guy that you can plug in there. But I think you raise an interesting question. Are there some players that may bump into the top six where Nino Niederreiter may need to fill in in the bottom six? Well, and I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. It's not. And it's intriguing. Like maybe you want to give that bottom six a makeover, at least that third line, and kind of have it more of where it was, you know, with Benino, Smith, and Grimaldi, where, mm -hmm. you know, they, they play the way that you want to play, but there's more of a scoring punch there. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, maybe your, your second line is more of that traditional, you know, sort of high scoring, high speed, and in which case, maybe that's where Phil Tomasino comes into play a little bit mm -hmm. here. Maybe, you know, he's kind of your new second line winger. Uh, maybe Ellie Tolvanen, just because Tomasino and Tolvanen had some chemistry last year. Maybe they, maybe he gets another chance on that opposite wing. And then maybe you're looking at, you know, Tanner Janot with Nino Niederreiter um, and Cody Glass down the middle. Like maybe you're kind of shuffling the deck a little bit. We don't know. I would have, my take is I would be shocked if Nino Niederreiter doesn't at least open the season on that second line. Mm -hmm. I, 
considering David Poyle went out and got him specifically saying, you know, we needed to address our second line. Uh, So I was shocked, but it does seem intriguing, Ian, that we're sitting here talking. It was like last year, you know, we were thinking like Cody Klaas was going to be a top six forward just because the Preds didn't really have any top six forwards. Now we're talking about all this depth where you can move players around and have different kind of positions. That seems like a little bit of a luxury the Predators haven't had. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I think that there are several good potential options to look at when you're talking about kind of filling in that top six. Let's just say for argument's sake, and for the sake of time, Nita Ryder and Johansson are on that second line. You have a very interesting question on your hands about who are you going to put on that line? And what do you want from that line? Because if you build a line with Ryan Johansson and Nito Niederreiter, it's going to look a certain way, yeah. you know? And, and so in your mind, you think a little Tanner Janot, like that is a line of mass destruction. I am telling you, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> like. You know, to terrifying to the TG language that would blank everybody's blank up. Yes, there uh, is a lot of blanking happening happening yeah. if you do that combination, and that's then a very different looking line than if, say, you do Ryan Johansson, Ellie Tolvanen, and Phil Tomasino. You could have a very different looking second line. Like your top six could have very different could have a very different trajectory depending on what John Hines decides to do with that second line. And you've got to kind of be open to the possibility that it may look very different. And, you know, there's also the possibility, and we'll get into this when we talk about the bottom six, Mm -hmm. is it a given that the herd line stays together? Or do you look at Tanner Janot and what he did last year and think, okay, maybe he's somebody that can slip into the top six. Like maybe he's like that chase car. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, if we break it up, you know, who's going to play with Phil Tomasino? Are we relegating him to just kind of like the highly skilled fourth line guy again? Or do we need to find a way to get him going? Because that causes a ripple effect. It's like, okay, well, you know, Yakov Trenin may not be the guy to play with, Phil Tomasino, do we move him down? Same with Colton Sissons. Do we need right? There's all these what ifs. And mm-hmm. I do think it all hinges on who's that best fit for that second line. I think that is kind of the domino that is going to affect how the third and fourth lines look. And that's something, again, we'll get into that. But again, if, if Tanner Janot plays on that line, that is a very <laughs> is a very hard yeah. play against my, I guess my only concern with that, Anne, and, you know, you can let me know, you know, how valid this is, but, you know, is there a little too much oomph and not enough skill if Johansson's wingers are Nina Ryder and Janot? You know, I don't necessarily think so because you look at Ryan Johansson, I think he ended up with 26 goals. Um, Tanner Janot had what? 20 how many did he have 20 some goals he was a 20 something goal yeah. scorer uh Nino 24 yeah Nino Nita Ryder same ballpark so you're looking at three 20 plus goal scorers on that line and then you put them together 
what could that be? For me, the bigger question is not necessarily what does that line look like if you put Tanner Geno on that line? Because I think, you know, you can get a pretty good visual of what a line of Johansson, Niederreiter, and Geno would look like. For me, the bigger question about moving Tanner Geno there is then what do you do with the talent that isn't on the second line? You know, right. and again, luxury question for the Predators to ask because, you know, there is a lot of talent that they have to find a home for. But are you going to miss an opportunity with somebody who has second line potential because you want a line that's structured to look very different and to play very differently when you add Tanner Janot up there? So like you said, this is a trickle down effect. That second line is going to affect so much down down the roster, of course. And also, what is this team going to play like? Yeah. That's, I think, the million-dollar question. You hit on something, too, that I think is a very important thing that we haven't really talked about yet. But it's just, you know, if, if let's say, like, they don't go with Phil Tomasino on the second line, where do you where do you play Phil Tomasino? And right. same thing for Ellie Tolvanen. Like, if, if Ellie Tolvanen doesn't make that second line, where else does Ellie Tolvanen go? Yeah. So I think that is something that's very big when you're considering putting this team together, because we know John Hines likes to group people in lines based on his identity and vision for that line, not necessarily the group, but how he wants the line to play. Mm -hmm. So if, if somebody doesn't kind of meet that expectation, you know, if Phil Tomasino, well, you know, he's, if he doesn't make that second line, he's obviously not going to play on the herd line because that's not his kind of game. Right. And does, is he your fourth line guy? Is he back to being like another 10, 11 minute night guy or yeah. I mean, that's, and then that's something we have to talk about from Tomasino's perspective. Is that best for his development? So, right. This is this to me is going to be one of the more intriguing things. And, you know, obviously, I assume uh, when players hit the ice today, we're going to see a lot of different combinations. Um, We're probably also going to see a few different combinations during preseason as well. Uh, I'm going to assume this probably isn't going to be something done until maybe two weeks into the regular season. Yeah, I think there's a lot of information that John Hines is going to want to gather. I think there's going to be a lot of seeing who plays well with each other. And I agree with you. John Hines tends to structure lines based on what he wants out of that line, not necessarily based on where he wants players to play. So that's going to be really interesting to see how by the end of training camp, what is he looking for out of that second line? Because he's got options to structure that line very differently. Well, that is going to be an interesting thing to watch. And again, we are going to be talking about the bottom six uh, in another show. Again, trickle down from that. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. We hope to hear from some of the Preds players this week as well when they hit the ice and start talking. Uh, So we'll have that for you as well. So a lot of training camp coverage to get to uh, this week on the Lockdown Predators podcast. And where can the people find your work? You can find my work at InsideThePreds.com and you can find me on Twitter at ANK underscore Mama on Ice. 
I'm Nick Morgan. You can find my work at onthefourcheck.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. Uh, and while you're there, be sure to give the podcast a follow at LO underscore Predators. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button. That way you'll always know when we have a new episode out for you. Also, leave a comment. Let us know what you think about the Preds' top six heading into camp this year, what you would do with that top six combination. Would you break anything up? Would you maybe add some people? Is there somebody that we haven't talked about that you think might be a great fit for one of the top two lines? That's going to do it for us today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. As always, we'll be back tomorrow with more on Preds training camp. See you then.